And this is Sermonition Sunday, number 24. Meditations intended to equip the church militant for spiritual warfare. And I am the warrior priest, Donovan Riley. In the name of Jesus, amen. For the Sunday after Christmas, the church commemorates the slaughter of the infants in Bethlehem following the birth of Jesus. But the murder of the holy innocents is an often overlooked feast day. It hardly seems like the thing to celebrate right after the fanfare and pageantry of Christmas. But the church, well, the church is known for doing things differently than the world. So here we go. Nowadays, the murder of the holy innocents is generally familiar to only a few people. And the historically sparse attendance on the Sunday after Christmas, referred to as Low Sunday, isn't the only reason so many are unfamiliar with this day. More and more, the rush to get to Christmas by skipping over Advent, the penitential season, the time of repentance and preparation for the coming of the Christ, also means a rush to push Christmas out of the way on December 26th, rather than observing it in its fullness until Epiphany. And yes, we can look at society, we can point our fingers at culture, and blame increased secularization of Christmas and the commercialism of Christmas for this reason. But maybe, maybe it actually stems from the churches and our desire to keep Jesus as the sweet little baby in the manger instead of the sword-bearing Son of Man. But whatever the reasons may be, Matthew's gospel and the historic church calendar put us face to face with the bloody reality of Satan's murderous agenda to destroy Christ just three days after the peaceful manger scene unfolds on Christmas morning. You see, Herod the Great, known for his cruelty, known for his deep insecurities and paranoia, which is what prompted him to murder his wife and sons, lest they usurp his throne. Herod summons the wise men after hearing that the prophecy which foretells of the coming Messiah has been fulfilled. And he says to them, Go, search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I too may come and worship him. From the get-go, his piety is suspect to the wise men. And so they are quick to pay attention when God warns them in a dream not to obey Herod, but to avoid going back to Herod and instead going home by a different way. And since Herod's attempts to win the favor of the Jewish people by expanding the temple, claiming to be Jewish himself, and marrying a Jewish princess were unsuccessful in winning the people's favor, he was afraid. He was paranoid. And to quote Martin Luther, if this new king is born, Herod thinks, well, the Jews are going to rejoice and they're going to keep him hidden from me for a while until he has grown up. And then they're going to espouse his cause and put him on the throne and banish me. What Luther exposes in his sermon on this subject is that paranoia 
is behind Herod's true intentions and why his appeal to the wise men that he too wants to go and worship the Christ child, the king of the Jews, is wrapped in false humility. So then it's no surprise that Herod was already resolved in his heart to slay the innocent children in order that he might secure his own kingdom, preserve his throne against all who may threaten it. And it goes to show that Herod, and all tyrants really, and ultimately Satan, will go to any lengths necessary, including the murder of innocent children, to oppose the work of God. Now, at this point, maybe you're asking yourself, maybe you're thinking, how is it that we go from the infant Jesus in a manger to innocent babies being torn from their mother's arms and turned into martyrs? Or maybe you're thinking, you're asking yourself, what kind of a God escapes to safety and leaves helpless children to a murderer's rage? The answer will not satisfy your questions. The answer will satisfy faith, but it will not assuage and smooth over your concerns. See, Christ, like his church, is known for doing things differently. Satan knows this, which is why he lashes out with violence and bloodshed at the birth of the Christ child. Even in his infancy, then, it is clear that Jesus has come to defeat Satan and all of his works and ultimately to defeat him. But there's a twist. Jesus does not defeat Satan. He does not overcome evil. He does not tear down tyrants from their thrones with a show of great power and strength. Instead, he overthrows Satan and evil and tyranny in humility and weakness. From a human perspective, then, Herod acted wisely enough as a king. He wanted to preserve his throne. And so, therefore, what is the better part of wisdom if you are a paranoid tyrant? Well, slay the Christ child. And yet, the seemingly weak and helpless infant, the baby Jesus, still escapes from Herod still escapes the slaughter. And thus he fulfills the prophecy, out of Egypt I called my son. And this, this one statement, this simple declaration from the prophet, illustrates perfectly just how useless earthly wisdom, how worthless and useless evil plans and schemes are against the plans of Almighty God. And the holy innocence, By their deaths, Jesus is secured safely in Egypt, and the prophecy is fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted, because they are no more. The scandal of suffering for the sake of Christ is the most confusing and uncomfortable reality to sinners who will do anything to save their own life, no matter what, no matter who it hurts. But as the poet John Kebble wrote, the murder of the holy innocents ensured that thou, Christ, mightest live for them a sadder death to see. And I think this is very important to faith. 
To those who have no faith, this will make no sense. It will be absurd. It will be foolish, stupid even. A flight from reality. But to faith, this must be said. And so I say it to you now as a pastor, because I believe it is vital that you hear this and that you store this up and cherish this in your heart. It's a harsh word. It's a difficult word. It's a teaching that even bumps up and rubs against faith. But as I said, I think it is vital that you hear this word so that you might receive comfort in the midst of death and that you might live in hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Not for yourself, but for others. We often think that when a child dies, it's a great tragedy. And it is a heavy, even unbearable burden for those who survive the infant to have to carry. But that is how we see the death of an infant on this side of the resurrection, without faith, without hope. But to die as an infant, to die as a baptized child of God, to die in Christ is a blessing. It's a gift. Because the infant is spared a lifetime of temptation and evil. The infant is spared a lifetime of illness and disease, of struggle and heartbreak, of failure and humiliation, of shame and guilt and of blame. For an infant to die in Christ is to be taken immediately into the resurrection to eternal life. And so it is not the child who we ought to lament. It is not the child that we weep for. Instead, we weep for ourselves because today is another day of temptations, being afflicted by evil and Satan, struggling to believe and trust that Christ will raise us to eternal life at the last day, struggling to believe that our sin is truly forgiven and that we are loved by God unconditionally. We suffer from disease and illness, fear, shame, guilt, blame, heartbreak. We struggle every single day to live. And for most, even that is too much of a burden to bear. For Christ to take us as babies, as infants, is to spare us a lifetime of struggle against temptation and sin and Satan and death. It is to spare us fear and despair, shame and guilt and blame. It is to spare us the need to even ask for forgiveness for our sin. It is to relieve us of the burden of a sinful life in an evil world that is ruled by Satan. And as much as it pains us, and as much as we weep and lament the death of a child, it is not a tragedy if that child dies in Christ. Instead, we mourn. We mourn for the child because we love the child. And we desperately, selfishly want to keep that child with us until we die first. 
but to faith. The death of a child, the death of an infant in Christ is a great gift and blessing to be spared this evil world, to be removed from sin and Satan before they can attack us and afflict us and drag us away from Christ. And yes, we lament, and yes, we weep, and yes, we mourn for our loss, but not as those who have no hope. We weep because we yearn to be in the resurrection with our child. And we live our lives suffering to see them again, but trusting always in faith that we will meet again at the feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. That's the scandal of suffering for the sake of Christ that confuses and is so uncomfortable for others especially all of us who will do anything to spare our own lives, no matter what or who it hurts. And yet only in Christ does death equal victory and weakness equal strength. Only in Christ does the death of a baby equal victory to eternal life for that child and their weakness equal the strength of God so that long before Jesus would say to his disciples, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, these children, these innocents who were executed by Herod in order to protect his throne, they were already resting securely in the arms of their Savior, the infant child Jesus. And while you may struggle to comprehend the wisdom of God at allowing the murder of the innocents What remains is the child who lived and died and rose from the dead, all in order that the promise of the resurrection to eternal life would belong to these holy innocents, these martyrs, these babies who were slaughtered for Jesus' sake and who are martyrs then, taken into the resurrection to eternal life, spared sin, death, and Satan. And so for you who remain as a witness to the birth, the death, and the resurrection to eternal life of Jesus, even you who have been baptized in his name are now free in Christ through faith to look forward with eager longing and expectation, with lament and joy at the coming resurrection to eternal life when we will be reunited with our babies with our children, with our brothers and sisters, with our mothers and fathers, and with all those who have died in Christ through faith. He does this all for you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.